Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. After Thursday's disappointment, we wondered how the boys would react and the answer was emphatic. If there was any hangover, yesterday's performance was the equivalent of a hair on the hairiest dog as the boys blew Crystal Palace away. We'll talk about that as well as the upcoming international break. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. Hello, guys. Hello. Rob Holdings' Alice Band got a lot of attention yesterday. Uh, he was the first name, I have to say, that we toasted in the pub. And Abby, our producer, mentioned that Rob Holding and the Alice Band would be a great name for a musical group. <laughs> so we wondered what other Arsenal players could inspire band names and what sort of music they would play as well. Adrian? I'm thinking lounge. I'm thinking lounge. I don't know why. I'm are just you? Are at... you? Um, no, I'm more of a more sort of I don't know indie sort of rock and rock stuff. Is, That's is how my, you see yourself, thing. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would have been <laughs> lead singer of one of those one of those bands for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the best one I think I can come up with is the Impactors. From uh, obviously, from yes, from Mikel Arteta's uh, term uh, for the for the substitutes coming off the bench, I can I can see those Hairland boys, Eddie and Ketia, Smith Rowe, Reese Nelson forming forming quite a cool band called the Impactors. I like I, I like the sound of that. that. You've I also do. got the Gabrielles, of course, or Saka and the Gabrielles. <laughs> That's good. I do like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Impactors. I think I, I sort of I, I can feel that at the marquee in about 1978. Uh, what have you got, uh, Amy? What about you? Okay, I think some sort of Afro beats. Be in the chilies. <laughs> I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, a bit more of a kind of grungy, maybe vibe for Benjamin and the whatevers. Oh yes, yes. It's interesting that Ben. Do you think grunge? You think grunge for them? I, was... I don't think that's. I don't mean uh, that's his style. I suspect it probably isn't. But I just sort of see it being a little bit. Amy's <laughs> nodding her head at the of, moment in yeah, a grunge yeah. type way. Any more? Zinny and the Roars. Yeah, and and the Zinny and the what? And the Roars. And the Roars. Yes. Did yes. you see him roar out oh, of his car window yesterday he uh, as he was leaving the stadium? As he was <laughs> driving. And past. as he was driving past the tolly. Yeah. Um, have you gone and through the whole team, Amy? Nearly. I've just got one more for fun. Uh, Albert and the AirPods. Uh, right. <laughs> That's a nice one. Yeah. It's a good band name. <laughs> yes, OK. I have got the Martin Erdegaard Collective. Right, I see them as a sort of modern jazz quartet. I don't know yes. why I see roll neck jumpers and corduroy for some reason. Uh, <laughs> suddenly quite cool. I was going to say pipe smoking as well, but I thought that was maybe a bit 
too on point. Anyway, um, <laughs> meanwhile, by the way, there were 60,000 people at the Emirates yesterday and millions more Arsenal fans watching around the world. Uh, and it's tremendously funny to think that probably none of them hate Tottenham as much as the current Tottenham manager, Antonio Conte. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you're listening, do you know what? Let's just laugh for five minutes. If you are listening to this later in the week, I can't guarantee that he is still the current Tottenham manager. Uh, oh, anyway, please let him stay. Please let him stay. I mean, you may have caught the uh, press conference where Conte had a 20-minute rant and laid out in concise and stark detail what is wrong with Spurs. If you haven't, it's worth the effort to find it and watch it. The players, the culture, the mentality, the owners. It's a considerable but by no means exhaustive list. Yes, Adrian? I I had the pleasure of co-commentating on Southampton's late comeback against Tottenham and it was a true test of my impartiality. (laughs) Which you (laughs) failed, I hope. Which you failed badly. (laughs) Get in, Theo. You haven't scored for Two years, well done, mate. Oh, nice one. No. Maitland Niles got got kicked for the penalty. I mean, it was it was such an arsehole. It was beautiful. I deserved a medal for not laughing. Honestly, not breaking out into some kind of don't, chuckle. But don't um, even yeah. try next time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Everyone knows you're a gooner. Uh, Amy, you mentioned to me by the way that the athletic writers were asked earlier in the season. This is before the first derby, I believe. Who would finish higher, Tottenham or Arsenal? And they all said Tottenham. Yeah, indeed they did. And the reason that the majority of uh, said writers went for that was uh, the Antonio Conte effect and he was considered to be more of a winner uh, with much more experience of what it takes than Mikel Arteta which sitting here with a 20-point gap looks rather hilarious I mean I would say um, whenever those messages come up on the uh, on the channels saying you know who's up for doing some predictions or something like that uh, I, I I go you know, out of office very quickly. (laughs) They are an absolute nightmare. You know, when you get asked to do those things, um, you know, you know that that, that you're possibly going to be exposed to considerable ridicule in future. On this pod Uh, now, actually, is what I was going to (laughs) say. But yeah, you know, it it is telling that, and and this was theoretically the people who were involved in this were what what we call generalists, which means they're not allied to a particular club. So they shouldn't have had um, an emotional uh, factor in their decision. Um, But as it was, absolutely everybody appeared to to be very clear and not even make it close. So, yeah, it's just here's Mikel looking like, as far as the Arsenal fans are concerned, he can sort of walk on water at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Antonio Conte, as you say, is, um, you know, Looking to get across the water as soon as he can. (laughs) Yes, quite. (laughs) Bukaya Saka with a glorious first-time finish. And Arsenal do respond and some with another memorable goal, another clinical strike. Arsenal... Four, Crystal Palace one. Uh, Arsenal going to the international break, eight points clear at the top of the table, following a dominant and comprehensive win over London rivals Crystal Palace. Goals from Gabriel Martinelli, Granite Xhaka, and two for the peerless Bukayo Saka. Um, I mean, we've equaled our points tally from last season with 10 games still to play. 69 points after 28 games, by the way, is exactly where Man City were this time last season. 20 points clear of Spurs. St. Totteringham's day moves ever closer. Our 22nd Premier League season uh, win of the season. The most wins we've ever managed in the first 28 matches of the league campaign. Adrian, mm. the numbers are astonishing. Uh, they're astonishing. It, I mean, that Yesterday, that was a performance of a team who totally believe in what they're doing. Very, very impressive. Yeah, hugely so. 
it's remarkable. Ten games to go, and we've equaled what we did last season, and it and it went to the wire. Remember yes. as well in terms last of getting the Champions wasn't bad, League was it? <laughs> yeah. wasn't wasn't bad. It ended badly, but you know. Yeah. yeah no, I've 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 loved obviously everything pretty much about this season so far. But yeah, it was really comprehensive. The nature of this win got on the front foot and just toyed with Crystal Palace from from the get go. Really. Some lovely passages of play, great great confidence on the ball. My only moan really was that we didn't test the goalkeeper often enough. Obviously, it's a rookie goalkeeper. Palace, I think, did quite a good job of protecting him in the first half. But but yeah, once once we cut loose, it was it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And, and we were really efficient. I've got to say, I think we we scored four goals from five shots on target in the end. But it wasn't a five shots on target performance. No. It, it it felt as if we we could have won five one six one, even seven if we'd have really stepped on the gas. No, I liked what I saw. Yeah, um, I mean, Amy, we spoke after the game, uh, and putting aside for the moment that Crystal Palace are a poor team who could well get relegated at the end of the season, uh, you said to me that we look happy playing football with each other. Mm. Uh, I mean, mm. is that one of the key ingredients? How likable they all are, and how much they like each other. I'm, I'm, uh, how much they like each other is the more significant factor. I just think that was the body language. I mean, I'm a, I'm awful for trying to sort of like amateur hour uh, uh, analyze body language, but it's <laughs> really it's, it's... you don't like to predict football matches, but you go, oh, look at the way he's walking. That means <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Uh, look at the signs. Look at the signs. Anyway, I um, I just thought there were so many little moments throughout the game of players reacting to each other during the match. You know, their kinship, their connection, their feeling of being in this thing together and as if they need to experience it together uh, is just so obvious. You wrote about and granite. You wrote about granite. granite. I mean, I, I just happened to watch granite yeah. in in it was it was I think eighty two minutes on the clock. Obviously, the scoreline and all that is pretty academic by now. And uh, Martinelli, I think, was being subbed, and he, he was like he was he was sort of like he was on something. He was so into being involved in every tiny, minute detail of what was going on on the pitch and within the group. And he went bursting up to Martinelli and kind of gave him a big, gave him a kiss on the way <laughs> on the way off. And as soon as he'd done that, he uh, Jorginho came on and he went straight off, marched off to Jorginho and had a little chat with him and you know uh, did his his bit. And then two seconds later, Arsenal had a the throw in to restart after the substitutions, and Tierney was ready to throw the ball in. And Granite's there pointing it exactly where he thinks the throw should go. And in about a 15-second period, he'd interacted very directly with three different players. But I don't feel like it was just Granite. I mean, that was just an example of the mindset that I think is within the team. You see Martin Odegaard increasingly being expressive uh, in the way that he acts on the pitch. There was hugs. There was that great moment when, I mean, unfortunately they scored straight afterwards, but when Ben White and and Granite Xhaka sort of were cluttering into one another, trying to win the ball, and it went off for, uh, for you know, what White came back and it went off for a, a corner and they got up and both hugged each other. <laughs> uh, when when um, Gabrielle went off a few minutes from the end, having put his body on the line again, 
you know, he's playing so much football at such a great level. Rob Holding went up to him and gave him a hug. Yeah. They're just constantly, I think, talking to each other. They're quite tactile with each other as well. And I think that this all is part of a broader picture of those kind of soft factors that are needed within a successful group and a happy group. Yeah. I, I'm, it just meant when you said it was like he was on something and you're talking about being <laughs> tactile and, you know, maybe after a few drinks, we all get a little bit more tactile and, and friendly. That is what winning does to, to players and, and a team. It's what being in the zone does to a team. You are high. You are, you are, it's a natural high where you just feel brilliant. You feel brilliant about life. It's your happy place I being out there on the pitch with your mates, wiping the floor with the opposition. It, it is like a drug. And I think, you know, I, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from there. And I can understand why, why, they're, why they're behaving in that way. It's, it's, it's great to see. It is joyous. Arsenal, by the way, are the first side in English Football League history to win as many as nine London derbies in a single season. Adrian, does this sort of stuff matter, by the way? I know derbies can be very tough and intense games, but is it just not more proof that we're witnessing something pretty special? It's definitely evidence that, that we're seeing a special season because it's it's not been done before. London no. derbies are tricky to win. The, 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 every derby game is a slight leveller of, of sorts where, where form goes a touch out of the window. I mean, Arsenal Palace is not quite that heat of an Arsenal Chelsea or Arsenal Spurs, is there? But, but, but yeah, look, if it hasn't been done before and we've achieved it this season, it's a very, very positive sign. But we're beating most teams this season, aren't we? We're scoring multiple goals against most teams this season. I think one of the things when we're talking numbers and achievements and things like that, that is extraordinary to me is the goal difference. Mm. Um, well, we're now 40, 40, is 40 it? plus 40. Yeah. And, and I mean, we have had seasons not that long ago where you're scratching around, you know, possibly even maybe being in the minuses and trying to get to zero or, or trying to get into the teens. It has been a very, very long time until Arsenal have had a goal difference anywhere near this kind of standard. And obviously, goal difference is reflective <laughs> to an extent of how well you're doing. Because if you if there's a big gap between what you're scoring and what you're letting in, you're obviously doing pretty well. And I think you, I, I started to, to to go through the seasons, Premier League tables from the last however many years to see when was the last time Arsenal might have been around the forty point mark. And I actually got tired and you know, <laughs> I was having to go, go back. Quite but I don't, it may well be that it's not since the Invincibles no, okay. where I think the goal difference was, yeah. was around about that the, level a bit more. The, the, the liberated way that we're playing at home is particularly exciting for me because we've scored at least three goals in nine of 14 home games. I mean, wow. nine, you know, the majority of home games we're scoring at least yeah. three goals over the season as a whole. We've scored at least three goals in half of our matches. Yeah. Now, rewind the clock just a couple of seasons and you'd be hard pushed to to get... Well, Arsenal wouldn't have got anywhere near double figures for, for matches where they, they, they scored more than two goals in the game. So it's it's incredibly exciting. But, but remember, this is a team that are supposed to be under pressure or they are under pressure, yet we're, we're seeing them churn out a few thumpings, especially in recent weeks in in the wake of that City loss. So 
such such positive form. Yeah, um, basically what happens on this pod, especially this season, is that we watch our team win over the weekend and then we choose a couple of players to eulogise about. I mean, I know we've talked about him a million times. Uh, Bukayo Saka obviously comes up quite a lot. Amy, I know you don't like to get into hyperbole, right? And I understand the why. But what what are we watching here? I mean, we've seen players emerge from the academy, right? I remember Liam Brady when I was a kid, watching him come through. Ashley Cole obviously turned into the best left back in the world. Tony Adams, well, we know what he did. Jack Wilshire joined our club at nine. Um, but Kyle Saka joined this club as a seven-year-old. Seven. And he, with the club's help and guidance, is turning into someone who could do anything in this game. I saw him interviewed on Match of the Day last night. We've just been talking about happiness. He's loving life. He's loving life. Martin Keown looked like a little girl standing there next to him, getting so excited about talking to him. Um, Amy... You won't be saying that to Martin. No, I wouldn't. But (laughs) there was just something very giddy about the way that Martin was yesterday, talking to Bukayo Saka. He makes us all feel that way, doesn't he? But I'm I'm not quite sure what I'm asking him, but I just want you to just talk for a minute about Bukayo and what he's doing. Because... Consistently, I mean, he got two more goals yesterday. That that finish for the second one was just insane. Gosh, where do we start? I know. Try and encapsulate how good Bukayo is. I just feel so glad to be watching him. And I think that is one of the signs of that extra greatness in a player. And when I think back about watching Ian Wright or Vieira or Thierry or Bergkamp or, you know, the... They're very, very special players. You know, there are times where you're just you're just watching and almost shaking your head in disbelief at how brilliant it is that this player's playing for your team. And uh, Saka seems to have that effect. It, it's also something where I remember when I was speaking to a lot of the Invincibles about that team um, for the book that I was lucky enough to... to get the chance to talk to them all for a few years ago. One of the things that came out from a lot of the other players when they talked about, say, particularly Thierry and Dennis, was that there was something very reassuring for them about feeling that they could give the ball to those players and that they could make something magic happen. They could be difference makers and that they've had confidence in them, in their ability to be a difference maker again and again and again, whatever the situation. And it looks like the current generation of players feel exactly that way about Bukayo. You know, sometimes you think, you know, you need other people to be, you know, the ones who are decisive and what have you. But how many times is it Bukayo this season? How many times is it either an assist or a goal or a moment where, you know, he's been the one that's breaking open a game um, and I also just have so much admiration for his, uh, he has this beautiful mix of being a kind of a lovable soul, supremely talented, and also so physically tough and resilient with it. And he needs all of those qualities, really, to cope with life as a great because it's psychologically quite mad, I think, probably, to be in the kind of company that he's capable of being in. Mm. I mean, 12 goals, 10 assists, Adrian. Mm. Uh, He's become the first player to reach 
10 plus goals and assists in the Premier League this season. And we do believe there is a contract coming very, very soon. But he just could not look happier. Like I say, I go back to that Match of the Day interview last night. Uh, and, and it was a very Arsenal-centric match of the day. It's, it was just absolutely joyous to watch. Um, but they interviewed Bukayo on the pitch and they took him through his goals. The confidence that he's got as twenty-one at 21 years old. Yeah. I mean, he can win the Ballon d'Or, the kid. Yeah, what, what a place to be, to be the guy that your teammates at Arsenal want to give the ball to. At your club. Yeah, exactly. It's your club and you're the main man. You're the one that they trust. They, they, they give you the ball expecting things to happen. That, that instantly will elevate your confidence to, to a different level. And yeah, it's just the simplicity of what he does. He does the, he makes everything look pretty straightforward, doesn't he? Bakayo Saka. I'm a huge fan. I can't really top what, what Amy said there. Um, or add to it greatly. What I will say is that what what I loved about this performance was the combination with Ben White. I thought it was I thought it was gorgeous. They they're on the same wavelength. These two wow. guys, as harmonious a partnership as I've ever seen down a flank for Arsenal at the moment. It's it's amazing. Obviously, the first two goals they they linked up beautifully, but it wasn't just that. It was throughout the game creating those overloads. White found Bakayosaka 13 times in the game. Every single pass was a forward pass. Uh, Saka picked him out of a couple on the overlap as well. They're, they're just working in, in perfect harmony. And, um, and, and Gareth Southgate needs to take a long, long look at himself and think, well, why am I ignoring that? Because Saka walks into the England team. The one player that that brings the very best out of Bakayo Saka is Ben White. Yeah, he can't he can't get a kick for England. So, yeah, make of that what you will. Adrian, do you think that that kind of telepathy is something that they specifically work on in training the two of them? Or do you think it's something just, just evolves naturally? Well, they definitely work on these things in training. Definitely. There'll be patterns of play. And, yeah, it, it's not something that happens by chance. But I think in the game, for instance, the... The two goals the other day, that's just instinctive, isn't it? It's, I think it's just a trust of if I pass the ball here, I know that he's going to do this. And yeah, I, I just think they, they, they don't... In football, everything happens so quickly that, that most of what you do is, is pretty instinctive. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's a combination of the two. It's a long-winded you- answer. Do you also think that that uh, period of people doubling up on Saka becomes... Uh, something that's not so straightforward anymore now that he's got this combination with Ben White. It definitely helps because I remember last season in particular, Bacot was asked to play very, very wide. And he was asked, he, we basically gave him the ball and asked him to do something. And 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 Tyrick Mitchell, this is a great example, Tyrick Mitchell was one of a couple of fullbacks that really sort of had Bacot sack. He handled him really, really well. And... and you need help. You need support up against a, a, a tough left back that, that gets tight and aggressive. You need a little bit of support. So no, it definitely helps, but it's not just a two V one, is it? It's more of a three V three V two. That's, that's often what happens with Arsenal yeah. um, because of Odegaard. Look at the touch maps. Honestly, you could draw a line down the center of the pitch and you'll see Saka and Odegaard dots everywhere to, to one side of the midpoint. And on the other side, you'll see Trossard and Martinelli. It's like we have pairs of forwards to the left and to the right and, and Saka and Odegaard are a pair 
that's beautifully supplemented by Ben White, who, who just pops up and, and, and causes causes mayhem. Yeah, yeah, it's great to watch. Um, Rob Holding, uh, Amy, he came in last night, um, oh, sorry, yesterday afternoon, and he did an excellent job. He a little bit impetuous for the first five, ten minutes, and then he uh, calmed down a little bit. One tackle that we all love, but actually led to uh, <laughs> Will Sarr getting a break and hitting the post. And um, hey, hey, Emmy Martinez, it, that's what happens. It bounces off your leg and goes out for a corner if you're a night per- nice person. You see that? That's what Aaron Rams, that's what happened to Rambo. Um, obviously, that could have changed a lot of things uh, yesterday. Um, but Rob came in, did a really, really good job. You mentioned that little th- hug with uh, uh, Gabriel Magalhães at the end of the game or when Gabriel went off. He's completely bought into the whole thing. He know into the whole thing. He knows he's not going to be a regular, but he is going to get a few games with William Saliba injured. And he uh, he did a job yesterday. Yeah, and I hope um, some of the people who decided to uh, be not particularly kind in their comments about Rob maybe take a little bit of a look at themselves because that's just not what is going on at Arsenal this season. So you know, leave it out. And you know, he is. A, a, a valued squad member and you cannot have a situation or very seldom, certainly in a, in a case like Arsenal's at the moment, where every single member of the squad is tip top, you know, uh, it's a mix. And, you know, I think fitness permitting, we can probably all have a fairly good guess at what Mikel's first 11 will be for the remaining games if everybody was fit and on form. But he will definitely be rotating and using different people in game you know, how nice to have all these options to sort of manage the uh, physical and psychological load. But, you know, you can't you can't win things without Rob Holdings. You need them in your squad. And uh, he needs to feel valued. And I think he does. And he'll feel that value from within the camp. And, uh, he, you know, it wasn't the sternest test, even though Zaha was a tricky customer yesterday. But he's popped into the team and everybody played well and there wasn't any kind of discernible, massive difference to what was going on in the way that the team played. And that's exactly what a manager needs to be able to rely on. One more before we uh, uh, go to a break. Gabriel Martinelli missed a penalty on Thursday night, Mm. Adrian. Mm. Got us knocked out the Europa League. And two and a half days later, he comes back and scores for the sixth time in six games. I mean, it, the mindset of these boys, so positive, so relentlessly progressive and creative, uh, it's to be admired, isn't it? Definitely. And what I really admired about this goal was that six months ago, he doesn't even try and shoot there on his left foot. He doesn't even think, he doesn't try. I think, I think, I believe that, that I, and I don't know because I haven't been at London Colney for ages, but I'm pretty sure they've worked ever so hard on his left foot. And, and and finishing with it because there's a confidence. We, I think it was at the Brighton game earlier this season where he went on the outside um, quite often onto his left foot he, without thinking. Before it was inside, 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 onto the right foot, onto the right foot. And a lot of things were getting blocked. This time, he just, the, the touch to shift it out onto his left foot was, was just sublime. Beautiful. And then he lashed it. He lashed it like he was a left footer. I would have been very proud of, of that strike. So... Yeah, that was that was a really good moment. Yeah, and it just it just banishes the memories instantly of of the pen, doesn't it? 
There's just a couple more players I, I wouldn't mind giving a quick shout out to mm. before we take a break. Mm. Um, one is Kieran Tierney, who yeah, hasn't had the, you know, if we're talking happy, maybe hasn't been the happiest compared to everybody else mm. this season. And I thought it was really refreshing to see him come on with kind of classic Kieran Tierney uh, attitude and determination. And he looked like he was enjoying it and played a great part in the fourth goal and just generally played brilliantly and went with the kind of energy and commitment that just fitted in really nicely. And that was great to see. Yeah. And the other one was just a little shout out for Kivior, um, who yeah. came on for a few minutes. And, you know, his his first performance was a little bit nervous in uh, in the Europa League a few weeks ago. And I think that, you know, he's obviously settling in. It's probably, probably quite an eye-opening time for him coming into this team at this fascinating period where they're so connected and gelled together and what everyone's going on. He's not got the benefit of speaking loads of English yet. I don't think he spoke much English when he arrived, so that was completely new. So halfway through the season, he's coming to this atmosphere without language, without, you know, you know, having to adapt to the new culture, new everything, whatever. It's not easy. And, um, and he made a, a terrific interception at the end of the game while he was on and was congratulated by his teammates. And I thought that was a nice moment too. Yeah, no, well said. Just one last one for me as well. The Granite Xhaka goal, because we haven't talked about it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it because Zinchenko to Xhaka is one of the, is one of the most often played passes of the season so far. Yeah. I mean, so often Granite takes up this position sort of between the centre-forward and, and an attacking midfielder. And Sinchenko just plays it through the lines to him. And I just love the sort of symmetry of the goal up to Xhaka, back to Trossard, who's dropped off to be that number 10. And then the instant pass in behind for Xhaka, who then shovels it into the back of the net somehow. I, I just thought that was a really good goal. And it was, it's a goal that I think Arsenal have tried to score a lot of times this season. And it's maybe not come off. So I was, I was really pleased that they, they pulled that one off. This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and this week on the Athletic Football Podcast, we're bringing you a two-part special on the future of football. What will the expanded 48-team World Cup look like? And is it actually such a terrible idea? Plus... UEFA against FIFA, a Super League in disguise. How would you feel if your team became part of a multi-club model? 
There is a lot to get stuck into. Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and Laura Williamson will be with us. Just search for The Athletic Football Podcast wherever you listen. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, Amy Lawrence here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast handbrake off for Arsenal legends. Bob Wilson, Frank McClintock, George Graham and Pat Rice turned up at the game yesterday and were interviewed on the pitch at half time. It was actually Pat Rice's birthday the other day. Amy, Arsene Wenger was incredibly complimentary about Pat Rice. They did a few interviews uh, on his birthday. Um, aside from Ken Fryer um, and one, maybe one or two others, he's had a longer association with the club than almost anyone. You must have met him quite a few times and got to know him a little bit. Pat's a gem, uh, an absolute gem. Uh, I think there are good reasons why he had the career that he had at the club as a player, as a captain, and then as a youth coach, uh, and reserve coach, and finally first team coach. He even had a, a few games uh, in, in temporary charge as a caretaker. He's done just about everything bar mowing the lawn, I would have thought, at the club. And um, I always remember when Arsene arrived and there was a bit of an expectancy. Obviously, he might bring in a whole load of new people. And one, and the first thing he did was keep Pat. And his phrase at the time was, I, I met him and I wanted to keep him because he was an Arsenal guy. And I think, you know, he, he's got so much Arsenal in his, in his soul. And he used to be someone who would, particularly when the foreign players would come in, someone in the dressing room would get hold of them at times and say, you're at Arsenal now, and this is what this means. You know, he, he, he had a good way of trying to inculcate people with what is special about Arsenal. And I'm, you know, he was very poorly not so long ago. And there were worries that he might not even make it through. And it was something of a miracle that he did. And for him to still be very much absolutely here and loving it with some of his dearest oldest Arsenal friends uh, sort of brings a bit of a tear to my eye I must say it's fantastic and to see you know George and Bob and Frank they're absolutely legendary Arsenal people and I saw George briefly afterwards and you could see how much it meant to be yeah. back out there and be together and I think this feeling of sharing the Arsenal present with the Arsenal history is, is something that means a great deal to uh, a lot of uh, former Arsenal icons. Adrian, you, you, I mean, you must have worked with uh, Pat and met the others and hung out with them. I mean, it's, uh, as Amy said, it's that, that through line, that connection between the past and the present. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it, yeah, I love it. I love the fact that, that those guys were invited onto the pitch to speak, just connected because the stadium is a bit younger these days than, than it was. I think a lot of the older fans gave up <laughs> maybe for, maybe for, you know, for, for, you know, reasonably sound reasons but but the stadium is younger now and and I I love the fact that we we're, we're bringing these guys out just to remind them um of the, the their legends of the past yeah George Graham was was great obviously gave me my debut Pat Rice was my youth team manager he was incredibly scary when I was when I was in the youth team because he was a, such a disciplinarian but he was a great coach and just a brilliant role model and I've, yeah, I've bumped into him so many times. I bumped into him yesterday and warm handshake. 
you know, how you doing? He's love. He is loving it. I, I was even around his house not long ago doing doing something work work related, and um, yeah, we spent like a couple of hours just talking about Arsenal. It was brilliant. Uh, absolutely loved it, and he is he is Arsenal through and through. And and Bob Wilson, by the way, what a, what a goalie coach he was back in the day. It was the ultimate treat if you were an outfielder that got invited into one of Bob Wilson's goalkeeper sessions where you just could lash shots at the keepers for, for an hour or so. It was, and he was such a character, or he is such a character. Um, proper Arsenal fellas, those. Um, so, yeah, Indeed. No, well done, Indeed. the club. Yeah, Arsenal was back not long ago. George Graham, great to see him back, back out there on the pitch. And Yaya Sanogo was back yesterday as well. And Amy, <laughs> you had a little yeah, chat. Yeah, he was. With him. Uh, he seemed to be really happy to be back. And uh, I think he posted on um, social media that it was like something like great to go back to my favourite club. And that in itself is quite interesting. You know, he, he wasn't there for a very long time or for a very uh, fantastic period. Although I will always remember that he did come in in that FA Cup final and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and shifting the dynamic with an extra forward, uh, which which helped Arsenal win the cup. Um, was that the Hull game? I think it was. He helped to set up the, it the, was the Hull game. It yeah. was a nuisance, yeah. and then uh, you know she really passed the ball through to change of formation when he came on, basically, and and uh, everything kind of turned out nice again after that. So, uh, you know, it's a small contribution, but an important one. And it's kind of sweet that it still means a lot to a guy like him. And he was really chuffed to be back. Quite. Uh, Amy, one more thing we we were talking about. Uh, There's a common misconception. You wrote about this, that this squad doesn't contain uh, winners or basically not too many winners. Um, this We're talking because, you know, we're, we've got 10 games to go and we're, we're on a run-in. Um, but you basically, you you wrote this piece saying, actually, that's not true. Well, I was quite surprised because I was thinking about it not that long ago, um, that actually there's a bit more experience, not just of winning anything, but of winning leagues. Obviously, trucker, trucker and all that, I, I'm not... I don't, not really talking about it too much, but uh, I think it's, I think it's 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 a perception that people had. And so, oh look, here came Jesus and Zinchenko, and it's they made a huge difference because they know how it is to win the league. They've been at a, they've won it four times at Man City. They know exactly what it means, you know, and how influential that was with the rest of the team. And then you look through it and you realise that there's actually nine players who have won leagues. And people sort of forget about that. And OK, it may not be the same intensity at some of uh, the other clubs or the other other countries as you find in the Premier League. But you still know what it means to be at the top, or to be chasing a lead or holding a lead and having someone on your tail and what you need to do and how you handle things psychologically. Those principles are the same wherever you are. They're the same even in youth football, I think. You still want to win a league. You know that that's a long slog and you've got to deal with different circumstances along the way. You know, even someone like Trossard won the league with Genk in Belgium. Xhaka won it with uh, Basel. Same with El Neni, a num- number of times. Tierney with Celtic. You know, and even Jorginho, who everyone thinks is, you know, look at this great, oh, they've got another winner, Arsenal now. He hasn't even won a domestic league yet, although obviously he's won some very, very major titles. But um, it, I think it's helpful to imagine that it's not t- this this totally green group 
you know, just looking really to the X-Man City players as their sort of connection with what it takes to actually do the job. Uh, and and sorry, Amy, can you also briefly, just briefly explain Trucker Trucker again for one or two of our uh, uh, listeners who may not be aware because you said that and I imagine one or two go, what, 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 what? what? So just briefly explain. It's become my mantra, actually. Um, so Trucker Trucker is basically uh, essentially a superstition where when you're absolutely too terrified of mentioning a word out loud for fear that that might, you know, in... in, in invite doom you say trucker trucker well that's what happened in in italy in rome uh, when rome we were going for the scudetto in 2001 and i had a hilarious few days in rome where if you, you know as soon as you said ever said it or mentioned anything people would go shh trucker trucker you know it was like and people would have actual conversations so it was the way that it afforded you to talk about the potential yes. to do this thing but without actually running the risk of bocking it by saying it out loud. So it'd be like, oh, what do you think about the trucker trucker? You know, it was, it was okay. It was an, a way that you could discuss it safely. <laughs> well, we're so. going to have to use it for the next few weeks, I think. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Adrian, 10 games to go. I mean, I, I, I've talked with Amy quite a lot about blocks of games and single games. As a player at this point, and I heard three or four of them yesterday saying Leeds. That's all we're talking about, Leeds. And 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 it's such a, it's almost, it, it, not almost, it is a cliche at this point, but it is one game at a time now, right? Oh, definitely. They won't, they won't be looking beyond that. I, I guarantee it. So no, it is about Leeds. Well, it's about their international games first, unfortunately. Well, yeah, there but is that. that. But, but, you know, having that mental break from the Premier League and all things Arsenal might not be the worst thing to, to happen. Um, the one downer, I suppose, is that is that we're on a win streak of, of six, six on the spin. And it, it is our longest win streak of the season so far. We scored 19 goals in those six games. So um, it's not the best time to, to break, I guess. But Mikel Arteta didn't seem particularly happy. I mean, there's a whole list of them going away. Mm-hmm. Rambo, Matt Turner, Jacob Kirill, uh, Kirill Zinchenko, Tierney, Partey, Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe with the under-21s, Jorginho, Fabio Vieira, Granit Xhaka, Flo Balogun. Flo Balogun's obviously it's, not. It's uh, in the Leandro lap of the gods. Yeah. It is. We, we have to allow that, don't, don't we? Uh, Amy, all we can hope is that they all get back safe. Really? 100%, 100%. And um, of course, we're going game by game. But, you know, the, I still think the blocks thing is quite interesting. And mm. there is almost a sort of before and after Manchester City phase of what lies ahead. So mm. what's the next block up to Man City, is it? Is yeah, that the next block? so there's Leeds at home, uh, uh, Liverpool away, West Ham at home and another home game that South I Hampton, can't I remember. It's West Ham yeah, away, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's West, West Ham, Ham away. away. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But uh, I, I just want to. I had a. I had a um, message at three o nine this morning in the, uh, the middle of the night from a very very dear friend of mine, who I used to go to a lot of games with uh, years back, and he now lives in America. Danny, uh, thanks for this. And he said, um, "One game at a time, please. No talk about blocks or some such abject nonsense." <laughs> So <laughs> at three oh nine, point taken, and and uh, yeah, point taken. Okay, now when no no more talks about blocks or any other abject <laughs> nonsense. Um, we won't take an international break on the pod. By the way, um, we'll be doing a Q and A with Amy and Adrian. Get your questions in using the hashtag uh, #handbreakoff. One more thing. Gabriel Jesus did an interview yesterday. He talked about the fact that there's no main man 
in the team. I mean, we were all, obviously, we were talking about Saka earlier, but it's not that's not how he sees himself. Mm. But he basically said they're a family, he said. And when players come in, when Jorginho came in, when Trosso came in, they dig it, is what he said. Uh, <laughs> and, oh. and, but that, no, 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 it was great. Is and, that what uh, he said? Literally, they dig it. He said they dig it. I think no one here is uh, like men, they're my men. You know, everyone's together. You know, when I get fit, uh, we will show Eddie can help us. And uh, he dig it. You know, and Trossard come and dig it as well. So everyone's together. I believe when you have a good relationship with uh, the teammates, everything on the pitch uh, works well, you know. Uh, that's why we are top of the league. We are playing good football. We are understanding each other. So, yeah, it's very good to be family. That's what he said. Oh, and I think... Man. They, <laughs> they do, they do. That family thing, Adrian. That family thing is important, isn't it? In totally, terms of looking after totally. each other, it's what it's what Amy was talking about with the priest with Granite Jacker, attending it's, to people. It's what about? That's just what a team is, isn't it? A team is a family, and and um, yeah, you got to look out for one another. On that, I did, I did get some stats together in regards to not not having one main man. I'll, I'll just rattle them off very quickly. We've got three of the top five players in the Premier League for most touches inside the opposition box. The other two are Salah and Haaland. Jesus still has more touches in the opposition box than Harry Kane. Two of the top four dribblers belong to us. Four of the top nine players for chances created in open play are Arsenal players. Four of the top ten for goals and assists, that's 15 or more, are Arsenal players. And two of the top three assisters in the Premier League are Arsenal players. So we absolutely are not a team that relies on one main man. It's great. I could listen to Adrian do stats like that for like half an hour or something. If you just if you can collect a load, we'll just have one episode where you're just reading out amazing stats about our team. Um, let's have a song to end. Uh, this doesn't have to be by Rob Holding and the Alice Band or the Martin Erdegaard Quartet uh, or any of the others. But um, Adrian, what have you got for us? Well, f- first of all, Amy started this. I'm getting trolled now, Amy, for, for my song choices before they even happen. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. Adam Salter's you know, been... I think oh, she is. Sorry, Adrian. No, 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 no. It's all good. sorry at all. It's Adrian. all good. It's all, I'm telling you now. It's all part of the fun. Adam no, Salter... Sorry for Adrian. I mean, Adam I'm Salter was on. It's a different side it's... case. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Go on, Adrian. What Adam, you got? Yeah, Adam Salter was on. He says, uh, waiting for Adrian Clark to pick, holding out for a hero for his next handbrake off. So... <laughs> don't tempt me don't tempt yeah. me just, just i'll just do it just to wind amy up so uh, <laughs> but now look i i was thinking about what what theme did i have in my head this week and it is goals it's goals galore at home i just love it i'm just loving it and um and the fact that we keep on scoring multiple goals in in, in so many different matches is so exciting we keep on winning um, so yeah, so on the back of that, my choice is a bit of a classic, but it's a song that always makes me happy. I think it makes most people happy. Uh, it's Queen, Don't Stop Me Now, because we just don't want to stop doing it. We just want to keep going and to enjoy, enjoy what we're seeing. Um, yeah, I just don't want it to stop. No, no. Um, oh, I'll just wait for Amy for a second, who's... <laughs> <laughs> gone walkabout for some strange reason. Couldn't uh, listen, Amy couldn't listen to my song choice. No, no. If, I, if, Adrian, if Adrian's going to come up with some song or other, I'm leaving the room. Um, uh, Amy, what you got for a song? 
I am picking a song from uh, one of the great albums of our times, Blue Lines by Massive Attack. And it's safe from harm, which is what I hope (laughs) is the case for all the players on international duty. Yeah, lovely. Uh, I'm Gabriel Jesus. I mentioned this just a few minutes ago. He said we are a family. Um, So I'm going for the Mary J. Blige uh, family affair, which is really a very, very funky tune. So uh, that's what I'm having. Uh, come at me if you don't like the choice. You know, get off Adrian's back for a bit. Um, anyway, that's it for uh, Handbrake Off for uh, another few days. Thank you to Amy Lawrence. Oh, sorry, Amy, you were something to say. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think at one point there has been some talk of doing a playlist of our song choices for the season. So people out there, if that's of any interest to you, do let us know on social media if you want a playlist and if you do want a playlist do you want all of our choices or would you would you like them as per selected by different nominees (laughs) (laughs) well that's an interesting point actually i mean i think adrian's playlist should stand alone definitely just so if there is any abuse coming his way it's just we don't we don't get in the way of it uh to be honest but anyway um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let us know. That's not a bad idea. And uh, like I say, to remind you, uh, stick the hashtag uh, handbrake off and ask any questions uh, when we do our little uh, Q&A with Amy and Adrian um, in a few days' time. Thanks to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Adrian Clark. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, listener. And um, we'll see you later in the week. I'm Ian Stone. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs>